This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. My guest today is Alexander Robbins, an investigative uh, reporter. Alexander is the author of five New York Times bestselling books, including The Overachievers, The Nurses, The Geeks Shall Inherit the Earth, and Pledged. Now, while I've always said that Pledged is my absolute favorite of her books, it may have been supplanted by her latest book, The Teachers, which is out March 14th. And we're here to talk about The Teachers today. Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jill. Can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to the teachers? Uh, Sure. Well, for a school year, I followed three remarkable teachers. Uh, Penny, who is a math teacher in the South. Miguel, who is a special ed teacher uh, out West. And Rebecca, who is an East Coast elementary school teacher. So readers could sort of get immersed in their behind the scenes stories and secrets and feel like they're reading uh, a novel. I wanted to write it fiction style because that's the kind of nonfiction I like to read, the kind of where you sort of get lost in a book, but then when you put it down, you realize it was all true and you feel a little smarter and a little more informed about a topic. Um, I also interviewed hundreds of other teachers across the country so people can truly understand what is really going on in schools today from their perspective. One thing I want to bring up right at the beginning of this conversation that you talk about at the beginning of the book is that you were following these teachers during COVID, but you make a point to not really focus a lot on COVID's effect on education because so much of the overarching issues teachers deal with happen regardless of a pandemic. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that decision? Yeah, that's right. And I do have uh, an essay where I talk specifically about COVID's effect Mm -hmm. on teachers and how that exacerbated issues that were already present in schools. But really, working conditions for teachers started tanking a long time before the pandemic. Um, People talk about a teacher shortage now. Okay, first of all, no, there's not a teacher shortage. Uh, There's not a shortage of people who are willing uh, to be in the classroom and who are wonderful educators. There's a shortage of jobs that adequately treat and compensate people so that they would actually want to be teachers. Um, But people started fleeing the classroom a long time ago because uh, first the rise of standardized testing, um, Mm. then the sort of rise in disrespect um, of teachers all the way back in uh, 2015. um, Teachers were saying that one of the most stressful parts of their job was the negative portrayal of them in the media. Um, Class sizes got larger. Teachers started being blamed for things that they have no control over, like, for example, student test scores. Um, When standardized testing uh, programs tied a teacher's job performance evaluations to the students test scores the whole program didn't the first no child left behind then race to the top um, the programs didn't take into account if a teacher had a student who was homeless or uh, food insecure 
or dealing with something traumatic at home or had an illness or had a bad day. All of those things could factor into how a student scores on a test, but if the student scored poorly, then the teacher could be blamed, the teacher could get their pay docked or not get a merit bonus. A teacher in Kentucky told me how a uh, principal shamed her for having bad test scores one year, um, but all of her students were either abused or neglected at home, and she she was filling their backpacks with food at recess so they would be able to go home and have something to eat. And all those factors contribute to how a student does on a random specific test. It was so interesting to me to read a lot about the parents. Um, taking things out on teachers when they're student like their kids weren't doing that well and like maybe it's just because I came from a different era and was in grade school in like the 80s and 90s but I can't imagine my parents ever going to those lengths to like demand grade changes because I had done poorly on something or I hadn't turned in my homework it was wild to read about Right. Um, one teacher, I liked, I liked the way he phrased it. He called it grade lawyering. That yes. pa parents would come in and try and grade lawyer to like get the 96 bumped up to a 97 or something like that. But yeah, some of the most ridiculous things parents said. And I bet if you ask any teacher, they will have their own stories of um, parent outrageousness that either match or top these. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michigan parents said at a conference to a high school English teacher, we promised our son we'd buy him a car if he gets all A's and B's. Your class is the only class he's getting a C in, so it's your fault. He can't get a car for his birthday. I mean, come on. And the, the demands, um, one parent demanded that a teacher while he was delivering a lecture in class, he had to simultaneously take notes in her daughter's notebook on the lecture so her daughter wouldn't have to do it. Like, this is, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it, it says a lot about how much of, like, the learning part of education is getting lost because it's not really about gaining that knowledge but it's about getting the grades to get into college yes exactly or to just graduate or to be or able to, to stay on the sports team yeah 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 um so with each book you write i'm always so curious about how you decide to who to follow and like build a story around especially because you don't know and the subject doesn't know like what will happen over their course of their time with you so how does that process work um, one thing I have learned after doing this so many times is that everybody has a story. To me, everybody's life is interesting. Everybody has um, a plot going on. Everybody has interesting characters in their lives. Everybody's voice um, is important and unique, and, and, and I want to share it. So it's harder to narrow down um, the sort of, quote, main characters that I end up with. Um, for these three, their stories just really from this beginning stood out as um, a diverse group of teachers who were dealing with very different issues that other teachers and um, the general public 
uh, could relate to. So mm -hmm. in this case, um, Miguel, who's the special ed teacher, he had to fight for his students, um, not only as a teacher, but also as an activist dealing with discrimination against special ed students, dealing with a school board that was pretty toxic to educators. Um, and so his fight is an important fight. Uh, Rebecca, is and she's the east coast uh, fourth grade teacher she was trying to figure out how to develop a life outside of school uh, the year i followed her uh, she had gone five years without a date and she mm -hmm. vowed at the beginning of that year okay i'm going to stop being a workaholic i'm going to stop letting teaching consume my life and i'm going to get out there in the dating world so it sort of follows her as her friend convinces her to um, go online and try dating uh, and then penny penny's in the south which certain pockets of the South are already um, very challenging for teachers in this era in the current landscape. Mm -hmm. um, and she had to deal with a toxic clique uh, among the staff at her small town school. And I felt that her story not only was important for people to see the stresses on teachers and how sometimes they take that out on each other, but also it's so relatable. I think, um, you know, when I wrote um, the nurses, uh, which you mentioned, uh, one of the nurses was dealing with um, a toxic staff, a very clicky, um, excluding kind of non-embracing, yeah. non-accepting staff. And I think I got more emails um, and social media messages from readers about her than anyone else because so many people could relate to that. So many people could relate to feeling um, outside of the box at work, to feeling like they were excluded and not included and that really affected their work performance and how they felt about the job, even if they loved the job itself as Penny did. So I just felt they were really uh, relatable issues. I agree. And Penny and the click in particular, they're, you know, it, it reminded me of your book, The Geek Shall Inherit the Earth, where there's a similar kind of reveal sort of um, about teacher clickiness that yeah. um, I, I, I do think that particular story of pennies and that clickiness of dealing with that those like toxic groups I definitely think that's something you find across industries yeah but now that you mentioned the nurses it's interesting that it it's happening in these sort of like female dominated caregiver type roles yes do you think like what would you attribute that to do you think yeah, um, so there's um, something called oppressive group theory, which says that when um, there's a group that's considered inferior, but they don't have the power to rise up against their oppressors, um, they only have one another to take their frustrations out on. And so in both nurses and in both the nursing and the teaching professions, um, we have a, a workforce that's dominated by women, but supervised by men. So in the case of teaching, I think 70, close to three quarters of teachers are women, but I think about 73% of superintendents are men. So what happens in these situations is the women end up being uh, and it happens sometimes with the with the male teachers and the male nurses too. Um, they end up being so stressed by the the way that they are treated that they don't have anyone else to take it out on and they the tensions sort of come out in, in clicks and sometimes toxicity at work. And these are both professions in which um, 
people who are drawn to these professions are compassionate and selfless and um, thoughtful people, but they're, they get so beaten down sometimes by the working conditions that, that they don't know what else to do. These are also another similarity between nursing and teaching is, and I heard this a lot, is that they often don't even have to have time to go to the bathroom during their work day because they are really scheduled um, all day long. And so it's not like they could get up and take a walk to compose themselves. It's not like they can just sort of turn themselves off for a minute or two, because when you are a teacher, you are on. It's like yeah. you, you are entertaining or engaging or just super focused um, so many hours of the day. Um, yeah, it's it's making me think now that you say that, um, even aside from like the click that Penny deals with, amongst her own teaching peers within her cohort or um, working group it it reminds me of the the section on specials and like art teachers and music teachers who are sort of seen as lesser than within the ecosystem of the school like there's ones I, I remember there was a section where like teachers weren't getting all of the updated memos and information about like grading I think or something which they just weren't considered part of the core group there was this like other thing that existed in the school but nobody really seemed to care about yeah it's like specialist teachers and i want to say so they're generally called specialist teachers some specialist teachers don't like being called that but they don't really have an alternative phrase for it or else i would use it because it's not like music drama art pe and library classes should be considered special like they should be considered core these are right, all right. super important so i just want to make that um that disclaimer but yeah if you think about it in an elementary school you might have one music teacher one pe teacher one art teacher if you're lucky uh one librarian um they don't have cohorts of colleagues whom they can bounce things off of and work on their curricula together because um, they're the only one in the school. And you have some places uh, in rural districts where there is one music teacher who travels among several schools, for example. So sometimes there can be a loneliness because it's, it's like you don't you don't really have a team. You don't have a grade level team. Um, who you meet with every week and talk things over. So often the specials teachers do that together, but it's still different and they still often feel um, like they're sort of set apart from the classroom teachers. So I, I think, I think um, again, this is a very compassionate and thoughtful workforce. So I think they, they just can just be more aware that the specials teachers could use a little more reaching out to. Yeah. Oh, and if you think about it, the PE teacher doesn't even have a classroom. The PE teacher is usually in like a really far like end of the school um, away from everybody else. So he or she or they are at a very at a physical distance from um, uh, from the rest of their colleagues. So they, they don't get to see what goes on socially as as much as other teachers would. Oh, yeah. When I was in high school, our gym and um, I was in band. And so the music rooms were like far from like an entirely different wing of the building from where all of the classrooms were. Yeah. So think of that teacher. That teacher doesn't often get to see colleagues. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, if, if you are a teacher, you're often a, a people person. Um, so and being a teacher 
is also more helpful when it's a collaborative endeavor anyway. And that's hard to do when you're sort of siloed at one end of the school far from everybody else. Right. And to your point, when you're the only one of that particular department. Right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Uh, when you're writing, do you, like after you've sort of collected these stories and, and followed your subjects, do you ever have to make editorial choices about including something or not because it, I don't know, throws the pacing off or does everything get included? Oh, gosh, if I included everything, this would be like a... Like a- <laughs> 800 page book and my whole goal with when I write these kinds of books is to keep it fast paced and like I want you to put down the book and be like oh man it's over already I don't want you to feel like it's something you have to slog through so yeah there's always editorial choices where I have to I have to cut um and I'm I'm used to it now uh at the beginning it was hard but with this book you know I just have to think, okay, does this move the story along? Um, does this service, you know, it's, it's like writing fiction. Like, does this yeah. service the plot? Does this show character development? And if not, you know, it's got to go, unless it's something that I feel is such an important point that it has to be included in the book. So to that end, was there anything you had to cut from the teachers that you wish you could have kept? No, nah, if there was something I wished, uh, <laughs> I wished to keep, I kept it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, hmm. That's a really good question. I don't. I mean, there were more dates Rebecca went on that I didn't include, <laughs> and you know, they're funny. I, I guess that's what the the only thing is. I, I like funny, and yeah. so I don't like having to cut funny stuff because if it makes me laugh, um, it's hard to make me laugh at something on the page. But if it makes me laugh, I feel like okay, it's going to make somebody else laugh. So, so I don't like cutting the funnies. But you know, I had to. <laughs> There's still uh, funnies in there. There are, yes. Uh, there's also sad things. Yeah. One in particular, I will not talk about, but I messaged you about a book that makes you feel a lot of different emotions, um, good and bad, which I think is important because this is a profession that, you know, they're struggling to gain the services and support that they need just from like the general public. Yeah, there's there's. There's so much they need that politicians and the public and the district aren't giving them. And the crazy thing is, you know, people talk about how broken our our schools are. They don't have to be. It's so easy to fix the schools. Just pay more attention to the teachers. That's it. If you talk to kids, if you're graduates and alums, like 
their school trajectory, their learning trajectory, their career paths were not determined by some newfangled curriculum program or, you know, something new built in the school. Um, people, they were affected by the people who they came into contact with. And that usually means teachers. A wonderful teacher makes all the difference in, um, in a child's life. So we need teachers in the classrooms who are supported. So we just need to pay them more. We need to give them more support staff. They do not have enough paraeducators, aides and counselors in schools. That's, that's no, big, um, no big news. And that again has been going on since long before the pandemic. Um, but if we give teachers what they need, you don't need to pay for all this, you know, administrative bloat in the district central office or new programs or new software or whatever. You just need good teachers and they can turn a school around. For any listeners who want to help or advocate for teachers in their communities, but, you know, don't necessarily think they have the power to do anything, do you have any suggestions for things they could do right now? Yeah, you do have the power. Every every voice that's vocal about supporting teachers helps. Um, so first, teachers need the trust of the public. Teachers are the professionals who are trained and certified to educate students, and we have to let them do that um, without questioning them. So if you're a parent, like actually say in front of your kids, I trust your teacher model respect and appreciation for teachers, which is going to improve the students' experiences also. If you hear someone or see someone on social media disparaging teachers, speak up. We, we need more and louder voices that are pro-teacher, especially now um, when there's so much, I'll just say meddling, which is a total understatement, but um, by politicians and certain parents in what is being taught in schools. Uh, you can also lobby for smaller classes and larger paychecks for teachers um, by contacting your board of education, write letters, you know, give testimony. Sometimes you don't even have to do it in person. You can just send in a video testimony, um, create a petition. Um, there's so much that people can do. And then at a, at a local level, just ask what supplies local teachers need and then either either buy them or fundraise for them or collect them from your friends or your neighbors. Like even little things like that will help a teacher out. Uh, something like 94% of teachers uh, pay for their own classroom supplies out of pocket and they don't even get uh, much of a tax credit for that. I think they get, it was just bumped up from 250 to 300 a year, but some of them, Penny spent $2,000 of her own money yeah. one year. So any little bit helps. I, yeah, I know that um, around like in the summers, teachers start to put together Amazon wish lists for yeah. a lot of that stuff and just, you know, coming across those and sharing them so they get wider audiences and, and reach is, is super helpful too, because more people then can hopefully buy some of those things. I think it's really fun to shop those clear the list. And I, <laughs> I, I try and tweet them out sometimes too. Yeah. I'll, I'll go browse the list and I'll be like, oh, that looks fun. And I'll <laughs> click it. And, you know, it's, it's, it just feels good to help a teacher out. For sure. Um, well, so on that, you had worked as a substitute, which you talk about in the book. Um, what was that like? Oh, I still sub. I, I just subbed for kindergarten yesterday. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep subbing. I love it. Um, when you are a sub, it just for me, it kind of puts everything into perspective. For instance, yesterday. 
Um, I started off the week, I wasn't having the greatest week. But I go in and when I go in to sub, I have to put my work brain and my writing brain and my stress brain or whatever aside because I need to focus 100% on those kids. You just, they're just, the kids are just invigorating. All they care about is whether you care about them, really. And they're just, I don't know. I guess it's just because I really like kids a lot. I, I just, I, I left school yesterday afternoon, even though I should have been tired because I was, you know, on entertaining kindergartners for, for hours and I had almost lost my voice by the end of the day just because <laughs> I was speaking in my silly voices <laughs> all day. Um, I just felt, I felt renewed, invigorating, like invigorated, like my, um, like my stresses didn't matter. I just, it's just so refreshing to me just to spend time with kids and to learn alongside them. I just think it's a really fun job. And, you know, the shame of it is just like, um, teachers aren't um, compensated or uh, treated well enough. Um, I would be happy uh, to stop writing and to be a substitute teacher full time, but the job isn't sustainable. There's no healthcare, there's no benefits. When I subbed um, almost the whole school year last year, I made less than $20,000 for the whole year. Uh, you know, like I, I can't sustain myself on that. So it's a wonderful job. It just needs to be um, treated a little better, I think. So between your experience of subbing and then also over the course of writing the teachers, were there any surprises, like things that just really stunned you or shocked you about the profession? I mean, of course, things happen to Penny, Miguel, and Rebecca that I never could have predicted. Um, so those were surprising to me. Uh, it was surprising to me how the answer to fixing school systems is it's so, it's so clear when you're a yeah. part of the school system. It's really, it's about the teachers. They are yeah. the most important stakeholders there who can, um, who can correct what's going on with the education system. Um, I think I was surprised a lot by how administrators and parents treat teachers. Um, a Maryland administrator told uh, teachers, uh, I need you to not get really sick or pregnant this year because it's too hard to find subs. Yeah. And like, you can't like, come on. <laughs> Um, schools like Penny's have uh, problems. Penny's had a severe mold problem that was making teachers sick, but the school didn't do anything about it. Um, and I mean, it, this isn't a big plot point, so I can share it. At, at Penny's school, when the teachers complained about the mold, uh, the principal's solution was just to paint over the mold, which yeah. <laughs> did, just didn't do anything. It just covered it up, which is kind of like a theme for that school. Yeah. So uh, there, there were a lot of little surprises that um, that made me think how how much easier the school system would have it if they just listened to their educators. Yeah. Um, the, the mold situation reminded me of, I mean, so like I'm based in Cleveland and so Columbus city schools, um, uh, two hours away, I have friends who teach in that system and they had, I think they did go on strike. Um, or maybe it was resolved before they went on strike, but a lot of it came down to the the state of the school buildings themselves yeah. um and just the stories that my friends would share just like horrifying like not even not even thinking about like that you have adults in these situations where there's like no heat or you know like no air conditioning in in the summer 
to like water dripping, but you have children in those situations right. too. Like, how would you not? I it, like it, it's it's wild to me that that would not be a concern that they would want to fix these things immediately. That you have children sitting in these environments for eight hours a day. Yeah, I agree. It's mind-boggling that it's not top priority for district officials, for county council people, for local politicians. Like that should be the first thing that you pay attention to. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I absolutely loved this book. Thank um, you so much. I I am the daughter of a teacher. I have lots of family who are teacher, lots of friends of teachers. Um, and even that I'm like, everyone, you need to read this book because you'll probably appreciate it. But also everyone else needs to read this book <laughs> to know what the state is. Because like even knowing so many teachers and hearing these things, like when you see it in the book, like day to day as you follow um, Rebecca, Penny, and Miguel, it just sort of really hones in on how things really are. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So to that end, as my last question, what do you hope readers take away from reading the teachers? Um, I hope readers come away from the book appreciating teachers, understanding how important teachers are and what we need to do to fix schools. And, you know, I, I want people to also come away from the book feeling like, um, you know, oh, that, that, that was a good read. <laughs> well, I can say it was. Like I said, like, I love Pledged, but I got to the end of this one and I was like, this might be better than Pledged. Which oh, thank is you. <laughs> <laughs> thank I you. Mean, I, love, I love all of your books. Don't get me wrong. But like... <laughs> This, uh, yeah, this was a phenomenal. So Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jill. That was super fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.